Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, I, I think what we're going through as a country um, and what we're going through with the virus um, and everything, you just, you just have to be committed um, and for me, it's easy. We have a cause. And when you get committed to a cause, and our cause is put rings on our fingers, uh, you do everything you can um, to reach that goal. Bruce Arians. Red, gold, and green. Continues to take green. on the color of whatever he wears. And the spectrum is you migrating beyond red. It's now purple. You're, you're His right. His face takes on the color of whatever he is wearing. Mike, you brought it up last week, and I just can't stop looking at it every time I see him now. Because you're but right. I thought it Whenever, was just a red thing. No, you're right. Whatever color he wears, his cheeks and his forehead start to become the same color. It's unbelievable. It really is. I love him. He's He is uh, one of the most exciting head coach press conferences every week. Even when it's boring, maybe, it's not boring. Maybe the answer is he rolls out of bed and he selects his clothes based upon what color his face is that morning. Maybe <laughs> I saw a lot of sun yesterday. I'm kind of purple. <laughs> Let me find my, my purple shirt. My face is kind of purple. I'm wearing a purple shirt. I don't want to clash. I don't want my face to clash <laughs> right. with my shirt. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, Bruce Arians, one of, one of the more underrated coaches in the NFL, a guy who didn't get his opportunity to be a head coach until 2013 because he's a little rough and tumble. He's a little in your face. He's a little tell it like it is. And Sometimes owners don't want guys telling them like it is, and that's what he's always done. And now he's coaching a Super Bowl for the first time. Helps to have Tom Brady. Helps to have the foresight to get Tom Brady on the team. Helps to have the team in place that would attract to Tom Brady. Jason Light, the GM of the team, deserves some credit for that. But their signature victory came Sunday at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers, 31-26. to Chris took a, lurk, a look at the film. And let's focus first on Tom Brady and his performance yeah. because – it 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 really was different in the second half. Yeah. What when do you ever see any quarterback, much less Brady, throw interceptions on three straight possessions? And if it was any other quarterback that did it, we would collectively be calling for that guy to be ejected from the league for good. Well, that's that's what's crazy is because you know for, first off the the way he started the game, we kind of hit that yesterday. That that was amazing for a team that we talked about had not been there. You know, not a lot of big playoff games, never been in a Super Bowl. As far as a lot of the guys on that team, I think other than JPP, maybe I'm missing one other player. You know, the way he came out and just made some big third down throws early, that at least set the tone. There's no doubt about that. You know, and, and, you know, down the field throws, not like, hey, we're looking on third and three to get four yards. The fade down the left sideline is Mike Evans, perfectly thrown. You know, the deep out route to Godwin uh, on the, in the slot route, you know, perfectly thrown. The touchdown pass to Evans, perfectly thrown. So from all those things, it was great. You saw him take a chance on that jump ball in their second scoring drive. Yes, but at the end of the third quarter, and those three interceptions he threw, I mean, that is that is why I believe Tampa has changed the way they've played. And we've talked about this a lot during the year. It's an 
some of these moments we've seen where Brady gets people around him and can just get a little flustered and he'll just throw it up. Now, that only happened on one of the interceptions, you know, but but either way, it was not a that would have been a monumental collapse if they lost that game and Brady had thrown three interceptions in the fourth quarter. That that would have been something that we've never seen from Brady ever in his career. So that's where it was kind of like striking that way. Yeah, and I, I can't help but wonder how much of what we saw is the culmination of 19 games of hearing the no risk it, no biscuit mantra from Bruce Arians. Just throw the ball. Just trust your receivers. Just throw it up there and, and let them go do the work. Tom, you don't have to do the work all the time. You don't have to deliver a pinpoint pass. We got some good receivers. Throw it up there and they'll go get it. And we talked about this yesterday when we were praising Chris Goblin, who had over 100 receiving yards and really didn't get noticed. He had that catch where... The ball could have been intercepted. Oh, right. Godwin made a great adjustment. Yeah. It was almost shades of Lynn Swan in Super Bowl Ten, And I think that that emboldened Tom Brady to keep taking chances the rest of the game. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you could be right. You know, all three interceptions had their own different angle. The first interception at the very end of the third quarter, right? That was just a bad decision and bad throw. There's nothing more to that. You know, the second interception was the second interception, the one where he fell down and just threw it up. Or was that the third one? I, that was the third. So the second one was the, the ball over the middle to Evans. Great decision. He's done the ball in the right spot. He just missed the throw. Like, that's going to happen. But you don't see that happen from Brady a lot. And it happened a few times in the fourth quarter. And then the last one, that was, I'm 43 and I don't want to be hit. And yep. I'm just going to throw the ball up. So that's what they have to worry about. We've seen those issues there as far as when he gets pressured. He did that to Kansas City the first time around where he threw some bad interceptions and felt that pressure. I think of Kansas City last year when he's playing for the Patriots and he has Julian Edelman in the end zone for a game-tying touchdown, and here comes Frank Clark. So Tom does the quick-release fetal position. Don't get you know, obliterated by Frank Clark. Right. But that's what you have to do to keep playing into your 40s. Definitely. You can't allow yourself yeah. – to take a, a square hit as a sitting duck from a Frank Clark or, um, you know, a, a Zadarius Smith or coming up this week, Frank Clark again, for crying out loud, you can't do it. So that's the live to fight another day sure. play. Right. We've seen it happen. He hopes to throw it away. Remember what he did against the Steelers three yeah, years ago? Right. He threw that ball and he's like, I was trying to throw it away. They intercepted it. I mean, yeah, he was trying to throw it away, but. When you when your goal is don't get killed, uh, secondary objectives become accuracy of the throw, and that's just kind of you have to take that. With yeah, Tom Brady at this point in his career, right. you have to take that's that. right. That's right. You got to take it. That's exactly it. And and then they have to do their best to not have them be in those situations, right? Which is what they've done. They've done a great job making him feel comfortable, blocking things up, so he can just sit back there and go, okay. I'm going to torture you now with the pass game. And that's where they've really found their mojo and everything like that. You know, but but I think at the bottom line, you know, the one thing I just come back to at the very least when you just break this game down, right? Brady gets them the jump start, gets them going, and then the team is like, "Oh, okay. Hey, we we belong. We're we're better than this team. Let's go." It's the second year in a row I just come away going, "The Packers got out hit in the championship game." You know, any way you want to talk about it, they were out hit. Whether it's pass rush, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike, ran the same running play the whole game other than one run. They ran – it was the same one. It was literally just we're going straight ahead and we're either going to plow you downhill and Leonard Fournette's going to get four or five yards or you're all going to go in there and he'll bounce it outside and get a few yards that way. But think about the jump ball you just talked about. Green Bay's in position to get it. Godwin just – outmans Darnell Savage for the ball. The next play is Fournette breaking tackles, spinning in the end zone for a 20-yard run. You know, the the hit just caused a fumble for the touchdown. The hit that caused the fumble that Green Bay also recovered. You know, it just, again, it was the second year in a row that that came away with more than anything. Bruce Arians, his team, they flew around and were the team that played with greater intensity throughout the game. If you just had to boil it down to one thing, that's what I would boil it down to. And I think that's an excellent point. Who's ready to go seize the day and who isn't? And that's one of the things 
that Bruce Arians spoke about yesterday. At their bye week, they were 7-5. and five, And it's not like they did major surgery on the playbook. It's not like they did major surgery on the roster. We saw Antonio Brown's playing time drop after the bye. But, but beyond that, he just said, we, we, we understand everybody's got to work harder now. Right. Everybody's got to want it more now. When you have 22 guys out there on offense and defense, and they are trying harder, and they are collectively imposing their will – more effectively, that you're going to see the collective result. And, you know, you mentioned missed opportunities. I mean, you have to take advantage in a game like that. Will Redmond had the ball in his hands, kind of. Not He, he should yes. have had the ball in his well, hands. Well, yeah, went right through his two hands. The play right, before right. the fourth down conversion, right? And and then the Scotty Miller yes. the Scotty Miller touchdown doesn't happen if Will Redmond right. can catch a can of corn from Tom Brady at the end of the first half. No doubt. Those game-changing moments. I mean, really, there's the game had huge moments. I think the jump ball to Godwin was one of those. It was a third down and nine, and it looked like, whoa, the Packers had a little momentum. That was one of them. Then the next one, I do believe, goes into that second half or the end of the first half situation, right? I mean, again – just that dropped interception, and I know we haven't talked about this today, and there's, you know, I know you wrote something on PFT yesterday about it, but I still can't quite under, I, I, I cannot for the life of me make logic of what Green Bay was trying to do on that last play of the first half. I mean, well, let's focus on that. Yeah. I mean, you looked at it and you've studied it. What, yeah, I, you got one safety. You're not really guarding the sidelines. What are you really doing there if you're the Green Bay Pack? Th that's what I don't understand as you look at it. They're playing a defense that, okay, it's a single safety. They're going to see as we go here, there's people in the middle of the field, and the guys on the outside are the ones that are vulnerable and are no-win one-on-one position. As you can see, Jair Alexander's the corner to the right. On the left is Kevin King. So go ahead and let it play, Kristen, if you can. And then you see here, they keep Gronk into blocks, right? Max protect. They make him feel good. But it basically becomes a one-on-one -on -one matchup. The first thing you want to go is, hey, Kevin King, let them throw the 10-yard out. Get back. But the more important thing is you want to go, what, what, what is this defense? Why are we calling this? Why is there not two safeties deep? They have no timeouts. You know, look, look at 51 and 26. What, what, the what hell They're are they in doing? no man's land. They're worried about the back out of the backfield. So what? Let them throw the ball in the back out of the backfield. The half will be over. It's over. That's where it is really um, confusing about what they were thinking there. They literally played a defense to allow the Buccaneers to get out of bounds. And then on top of that, they didn't defend the end zone either. And that, to and, me, goes back to the coaching more than anything. Well, Watch this again. Let it right. play again. Coach Dungy, I think, said something about this on Twitter. You got inside leverage, too, on the receivers. Why are you playing them to the inside that, when that, the goal is you got to keep them to the inside? You got to right. play outside on them. Right. It's, uh, Mike, it is literally like, hey, did you guys want 10 more yards to kick a field goal? <laughs> We're going to play a defense to do that. No problem, guys. I mean, you're you're Brady and the Bucks. So we're, we want to be, you know, nice guests. I mean, or nice, you know, uh, hosts. Here you go. Oh, wait, then you don't want the 10-yard out? You want the touchdown? Oh, we're a nice host. Go ahead. We'll let you have it. That was a huge moment of the game, of course, that, and then leading into the first few plays of the, the second half. And Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator of the Packers, he look, don't be surprised if he's the former defensive coordinator of the Packers. Matt LaFleur was fairly candid after the game about his disappointment with what happened there. I mean, that was really kind of a dagger moment. And then you dagger. had the extra dagger. Then you had the extra dagger to make it 28 to 10 after the Aaron Jones fumble, which is what made the potential comeback even more right. uh, impressive. But it should have been 24, 10. That's the point. It should be 24, right. 10, even if those things happen, right? That touchdown pass was a preventable thing. That was very easy. If there was just basic football logic with that one, which there wasn't. And that extra four points, as we saw, was the difference in the football game. That was that was it. The drop two-point conversion made it the five-point game, right? Now, and one of the reasons why the Buccaneers held on to the lead is Tom Brady was melting down in the second half. And it is okay, folks, to say it. It really is. I'm telling you, anybody out there who works in sports media, lightning will not strike you dead if you say Tom Brady played poorly in the second half of the game. It's you just a Twitter mob everybody's scared You're of. You're allowed to say that he was bad. You can be the announcer. 
You, you can be on any show. You can be the right. You can be any anyone in the media. It's okay to say that that the goat wasn't the goat. He was more like a real goat. He was a goat in the bad way. That draft's coming up later today. Maybe he's going to make it to the goats in the bad way draft today. But when he had the second and the third interception, Chris, the Packers didn't do anything with no, it. No, no. They could have actually turned this into like not quite a not quite a Chiefs Texans turn around, flip it around route, but they could have won the game by seven or ten points if they had managed to cash in on all the mistakes Tom Brady was making. No, no doubt, Mike. But you know what it came down to? Like, once again, it really went back to the old thing that we just talked about. And those moments there were Green Bay, yeah. You know, they got a little momentum. They got the ball down 28-23. You know what happened? They got out hit again. The Buccaneers pass rush kind of took over the game. Look at the, If you're looking at the graphic here, 12-20, first and 10 of the Green Bay 19. Rodgers has a post route by Devontae Adams, and he has Marquez Valdez-Scantling, going across the field wide open for a 25-yard gain. If Rodgers just throws the ball in the vicinity of him, it's going to be a huge game. He can't ever settle because he has pressure from the get-go. So he tries to throw the ball up, if you remember, and kind of gets hit as he throws, and the ball flutters into the air into no man's land. Incomplete. But that was, you know, again, there's a play there to be had, but they were out physical. Second drive, as you see, first play, sack behind the chains, and... Then it became throw-throw, and they couldn't really protect or get open in those moments either. And they had a drop ball, I think, on third down over the middle of Lazard on that second series there. So, yeah, you know, Rodgers said it yesterday. They had their chances. They definitely did. They didn't capitalize. And then they also messed things up themselves that it's going to be hard to sleep and, and get over this one. Why weren't the Packers – now, look, they don't have David Bakhtiari, but the offensive line had looked very good the prior week against the L.A. Rams. Yeah. Why couldn't they handle Shaq Barrett and JPP? Uh, the it, it, It's funny. You know, that's why it's always funny with, like, a matchup sport, right, Mike? Yeah, Leonard Floyd, some of the Rams guys that come off the edge, they're smaller speed-type guys, right? JPP is a 290-pound defensive end. Shaq Barrett – you know, 275, but power-based. I mean, you know, Mike, the, my kind of guys here, legs and ass, they're going to push people back. So it was a tougher matchup for, you know, a guy like Billy Turner, who's a guard. He's not your typical left tackle. He got overpowered just straight up. You know, you hear the phrase push the pocket. That was a big key. And then, you know, the other key – is Vita Vea, him being back, pushing the pocket up the middle was another issue for Green Bay, too. Um, but, yeah, they struggled blocking that group. And Todd Bowles did a good job of just, hey, letting his front four do work, but occasionally sending a fifth man just to make sure everybody got one-on-one -on -one and now his guys could go to work. But that course was a big part of the battle is them winning that battle up front. And you could see that Turner was under extra pressure because he was doing everything he could to get a little bit of a split second. Yeah, he jumped a few times, where, right? To the point where there were some uncalled false starts by Billy Turner. And hey, if they don't call it, good for you. But he was getting he was getting back into his his stance to brace for the onslaught a little bit early to try to better protect Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, ultimately didn't work. I mean, the guy got sacked five times. You just don't see that happen no. on a regular basis to Aaron no. Rodgers. He had nowhere why to go. Didn't we, yeah. Why didn't we hear about the, the Packers' great defensive players, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary? Right. Why weren't they, why weren't they uh, called out well, much during the game? Well, that's where, like, like, right, I texted you yesterday, right? Like, uh, we got done with the show, and I said, the one thing we didn't talk about is, like, we talked about all these Bucks guys who popped out. And to the overall theme, again, of what we're talking about and being out hit as a football team, right, just to boil it down to one basic thing. And, yeah, that they lost that battle too. They lost. That's why, you know, I think this is why you and I picked the Bucks to win the football game. Yes, we know one team was 13-3 and three and the other one was 11-5. and five. I had people, like, on Twitter yesterday, like, how could you say they were better when one team was the one seed and the other? Well, because at this moment, they're better across the board. I mean, it does. You offensive line. It's a close one. It's close, but we're taking Tampa. They were better. The defensive line, not even a question. Tampa linebackers. Tampa secondary. Okay, close. All right, now let's go to offense. Wide receivers. Not it. Not close. Tampa. 
Running backs. All right, close one there. I mean, so yes, Tampa's a really good football team, and they stonewalled that that Green Bay pass rush. They didn't get even close to Brady other than that one interception where he threw the ball up in the air. But for the most part of the day, he had great protection and was able to see the field and step into a lot of throws. Zadarius Smith, when he joined us in Miami I know, last I knew you were year, say Super Bowl this. week, here's the quote. And this is his assessment of the NFC Championship game last year where it wasn't even close. They got steamrolled by the 49ers. He said, we didn't come ready to play. I don't know if everybody was sleeping, but I can tell you for myself, I wasn't ready to play either. Now, I'm not ready to come to that conclusion as it relates to this NFC Championship game. Maybe they were ready to play. They didn't have to travel. They were at home, but something was missing. There was a physicality that was missing. There was a a sense of being opportunistic that was missing. The Bucks had it, and the Packers didn't. And in a league where the talent gap is narrower than ever, exactly, that's going to be the difference between winning and losing the NFC Championship game. That's going to be the difference between winning and losing the Super Bowl, potentially, for whichever team is ready to be opportunistic and take advantage of the things that come their way. Yeah, exactly right. You know, again, this is... It, the game has become all about big plays. That's what it is. And as we saw the other day there, you know, Tampa made more of them. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, th- that's really what it is. I mean, the turnovers, the touchdowns, the, okay, got to have it third down moments in the red zone. Hey, they stopped Green Bay from scoring touchdowns, made them kick field goals. Those are huge moments in the football game. And like, like you said it perfectly, in this ga- day and age, with two teams in the NFC Championship who are very evenly matched. It's the team who can make a few plays and the team who makes a few mistakes. That's really all it boils down for for, for most of the time, and, and that was clearly uh, advantage Tampa in that one. Okay, the other game. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. I, and my theory is playoff Patrick Mahomes is better than regular season Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And he rises to – we're going to this, – this is going to be his career. We're going to take him for granted in the regular season. And then playoff Pat is going to show up and we're going to be like, oh, where was that guy been? And he's going to be as incredible as he ever is when the season is riding on the outcome of one game. Yes. No, I know. But let's not make sure you make him sound like he sucked in the regular season or something. Okay. He didn't know, but (laughs) he's clearly better. You're right. Clearly better in the postseason. You're right. There's there's, you know, it's like Kansas City. I don't know. It's just them. They seem to focus in a little bit more. But that game. The offense for Kansas City, Mike, I mean, it's kind of what we saw on TV and we talked about yesterday. Just when you watch back that film, you just go, when they play like that and attack that way, and then he's able to be patient, right, and go, okay, I'm not going to force the ball. You want to play these soft zone coverages. Here's Kelsey underneath for six, and now he runs for 10. You know, here's here's uh, McCole Hardman underneath, and he runs for eight more yards. You know, that's when they become unstoppable. And Andy... And the offense, Mike, I mean, it was just an onslaught of movement, formations, a lot of different ways to throw the football. And then to the point you just made, the man just, he doesn't really miss any throws. I mean, he just doesn't miss any throws. Oh, oh, you're going to take away the big play from us this game? I'm only going to get one chance to throw the ball down the field. It was the first third down of the game. He threw a strike on the post corner to the hill, right? He dropped it. But it just shows you their versatility. Oh, we don't need, we can't make big plays this week. No big deal. I'll just dink and dunk your butts all day long. And what I love about it, Mike, is they don't call dink and dunk plays. Andy Reid's figured out how to stress people out where he sends, you know, Tyree kill deep. And now it's, you know, one of the other receivers in the mid range and Travis Kelsey's the underneath guy. So now you're going, whoa, they're way deep. And he's of course looking deep, thinking to throw deep. And now he throws an underneath route, and that gets eight or nine yards. And they're just they're they're so dangerous and unstoppable that way on the offensive side of the ball. And I think part of it too is the regular season mentality of the opposing defense is, hey, this is our chance to go show what we can do against Patrick Mahomes. Maybe there's a little looseness, maybe a greater commitment to creativity. You're going to take chances when when your season's riding on it. I think knowing that Mahomes and company are up next, it it it, it can maybe be a little more restricting yeah and right and nerve-wracking than it is in the regular season because in the regular season you know got a game the next week win or lose we, we move on 
Josh Allen. Yeah. I got the question yesterday. What happened to our boy Blue? Right. What did you see? Did he have a bad day, or was it the Chiefs' defense is better than we give him credit for? No, that's the story of the game, I think, is the the Chiefs' defense and their performance. I mean, we know Mahomes and Kill and you know Hill and Kelsey are awesome, right? We know that. That's great. But the defense, again, you know, just another thing, Mike, we say it every week. Oh, I don't know. Can they stop this passing game and Josh Allen and all that? Oh, that's right. They stopped it. Um Spagnolo is inc- incredibly creative. Like we talk about, you know, the Packers, the Packers Bucks game, the Kansas City Chiefs D-line whooped the crap out of the Bills offensive line. There's just no other way to say that. And they did a good job of kind of taking away lanes for Allen for the most part to be able to run up to and then get on the outside and do things like that for the most part of the day. You know, they made him escape up and outside. And then that allowed Frank Clark and the other guys to chase him down to where he couldn't set up and regain himself to throw a laser somewhere in the field. But Spagnolo and Mike, the way he calls plays, they're one of the most deceptive pre-snap defenses in football. Showing you one thing and then they snap the ball and it's another thing. He's got a great, creative, timely blitzes and... The biggest thing, Mike, more than anything, is when they played man-to-man and just rushed the front four, Buffalo couldn't separate. You know, Buffalo could not separate. And Kansas City's DBs have been really good down the stretch of the season. They're healthy, and, man, they were all over those guys. And the one thing about showing you one thing and doing something else, you better have defensive players who are sufficiently skillful to get to where they would have been Definitely, if the look had meshed with what actually happened because that's why you do it. You yeah. get in position to do a certain thing, and then you got to sprint over here because that's where you were going to be if you were showing the true look. So they got guys. You talked about the secondary yesterday. Underrated yeah. and underappreciated secondary led by our guy Tyron Matthew. Hey, we, we got a long way to go before we make our pick right. in Super Bowl 55. And for me, the knee jerk is, hey, I picked the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl before the season began, so I have to pick them. But you yeah. know what? I thought they'd be facing the Patriots, not the Chiefs. It's a different analysis yeah. when you're facing the Chiefs. And I think about that Chiefs team when they're firing all cylinders and they're in a team in the NFL that can beat them. Uh, we, we talked about it yesterday. There was never a moment after the Chiefs took the lead down from 9 nothing, up 14-9. There was never an instant, never a second where no. I thought the Bills are going to win this game. He had the it's one, just a question of what's the final score. They had the 9 nothing, and they had to go for it on fourth down on that one on that first drive when they were going down to get seven points. That was the only like, okay, are they going to make it on this play? Oh, they got it. All right. Yep, they're good. All right, see you later. You know, but, yeah. but, but Mike, I mean, yes, I'm picking the Chiefs. Uh, I'm not picking, like I've said all year, I'm not picking against the Chiefs until I start seeing them lose in these type of games. I can't go against them. So that's not going to happen. But the little crack in the door, no Eric Fisher, doesn't sound like Mitchell Schwartz is going to be back. That D-line we just talked about, who who ran over the Packers O-line, Vita Vea's back. That, to me, will be the the, the game. That is going to be I, – I almost look at it like it's like, um, you know, 2007 Patriots and Brady, vice versa here. All week, that's all the Bucks D-line is going to hear. We can't win this game unless you get to Mahomes. We can't win this game unless you get – they're going to be foaming out the mouth when the game starts. And who can handle that – you know, that rush better is, is going to be a big part of the game for me. I know, I know, but last year it was Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas and and uh, D Ford, and and he still... I know, but but he did have his regularly. guys at least. That's where I just, yeah, I worry true. about that's backups, you know. That's where I get scared of it. All right, let's take a break. Lamar Jackson has some of his guys, but he doesn't have a number one receiver. Will he get one? For 2021. We'll talk about that and other things that were mentioned yesterday by Ravens GM Eric DaCosta in a media session. We'll break that all down next year. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let's face it. I mean, we've had some of the best players in the history of the NFL play for us, and players want to play with them. You know, players want to play with Lamar Jackson. You know, I... I really do kind of laugh at the notion that players don't want to come here and play with Lamar because he, he's one of the very best young players in the NFL. Um, and we've got a lot of other young players as well that fit that criteria. So I think it's a great place to play. I think people want to play here. I think it's a, a team that's positioned well for the future. It's not all about getting the, quote, number one receiver that everybody likes to talk about. Um, we will certainly look at that. Uh, we would try to upgrade every single position on this football team this offseason if we can, based on the parameters of what we have to work with draft pick-wise, money-wise, and all the other challenges associated with building a football team. Look, Eric DaCosta, GM of the Ravens, great at what he does, said what he had to say. The bottom line is they're not going to attract guys there who want to catch the football until they prove to people that they are going to throw the football more than they do. It's that simple. No one wants to go and block for Lamar Jackson. No one wants to go and say, hey, I'm buddies with Lamar Jackson. They want to go and advance their career by catching the ball. That's why Stephon Diggs wanted out of Minnesota. He wanted to catch the ball more, and that's okay. But the reality is – Good luck attracting high-end receiving free agent talent if you don't have an offense that is fully diversified and entails throwing the football to the guys who want to catch it, Chris. No, I, I mean, I agree with you, Mike. I, I mean, for, first off, like, I, I uh, agree with, like, just about everything Eric DaCosta said there. I think players, you know, NFL players, everything like that, yes, they want to go to Baltimore and play with Lamar Jackson, no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean receivers do, like you're talking about. That's that's the difference. Yeah, that's a special culture there. Everybody knows how special Lamar is. You know, people want to go there. You know, there's you know Yannick and Gakwe. We saw how happy he was there to be a part of Lamar Jackson, the Ravers. Calais Campbell, same thing. You know, Earl Thomas. He had a chance. You know, he goes there last year. So people want to go there. But it's the receiver thing that's the issue. And I'm with you. I don't think. I I mean. I don't know, like, yes, I don't think a big-time receiver is going to sign there unless they are offered significantly more from Baltimore. I do think it's something they're going to have to do through the draft or kind of get guys that are under the radar, uh, bargains where, hey, these teams didn't want them, but we think you're really good, come here. It's going to be those type of guys until you see, like you said, better stats, more receptions more wide receiver involvement. The stats we just showed right there, that's the playoffs included. I mean, the leading receivers got 69 receptions. Yeah, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world are not going to want to go play for an offense like that necessarily. Well, and then your young guys, if you do draft them like a Hollywood Brown, why would you sign an extension if you're Hollywood Brown? That's going to be a play big question too. Play it out and go somewhere else. So they're going to use the franchise tag to justify that kind of investment financially in a guy that they don't get full use out of because they don't throw the football, they just draft somebody else. I mean, that's what will happen. They'll draft young receivers. They'll rely on them. When their contracts expire, they'll leave, and it'll be lather, rinse, repeat. That's going to be the story of the Lamar Jackson career in Baltimore unless and until they truly do develop a passing game because, guys – Guys aren't going to want to say, I want to be part of the winning culture in Baltimore. I want to be part of this organization. I want No, they're going to say, receivers are going to say, I want to go somewhere where I can have all those things, and the football comes my way more frequently. Right, Well, and, and, and they can do that there in Baltimore. I mean, they, they can. Listen, if you're open, Lamar can hit you. There's no doubt about that. He's got all the tools necessary to be a really effective passer. We've seen him get better every year. The offense needs to help him out a little bit. And – 
they need within that offense. Yes, if they want to help, you know, remedy this problem and things like that, yeah, they got to continue to show that they can. It doesn't always have to be a hundred receptions, but if you're going to be Hollywood Brown and have 58 receptions in the regular season, re regular season, okay, then he can't go the whole regular season with only like one rushing attempt. You got to find other ways to get the guys the ball, right? To make them feel a part of the offense and things like that. So that is something they're going to have to figure out. And I think we both agree their, their passing offense has to grow for them to make a run in the playoffs to begin with. But I love Lamar Jackson. And I, we both agree he should be paid like one of the top quarterbacks in football this offseason. At least that's what I think. I think you think that. We saw them incorporate more Hollywood Brown into the playoff win over the Titans. You know, you need that creativity. Yeah. There's been some pressure on Greg Roman. Steve Smith called for the Ravens to fire Greg Roman and install an offensive coordinator who will open things up for Lamar Jackson. And I agree with you. He he deserves to get paid. It's not the ideal year to do it. We talked recently about how Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson are both, along with Josh Allen, in yeah. this window now where they can get new deals. But Mayfield making so much more as the first pick in 2018. Jackson making so much less as the last pick in round one. Um, it's 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 a tough problem for the Ravens this year because the salary cap is expected to be in the range of 180 million. When do you break the bank for Lamar Jackson, and how much of that injury risk do you take off the table? Because that's the big issue with him. You know, right. when he became the starter, there were people who were like, "Hey, this is going to be fun while it lasts," and I think a lot of people are amazed it's lasted as long as it has. It's amazing. And you have to, and and so at what point do you say, okay, this is a guy who just is built in a way that he's going to be able to deal with it. He's not going to get injured like other mobile quarterbacks would, or do you say, well, you know what's going to happen? The minute we give this guy huge money, that's when the wheels are going to start to come off. Well, that's going to be on them. To to they're the one in person seeing the guy, and they know the guy. They get to see him on the field. Uh, I mean, the the what we can say to this point is he hasn't been hurt, and. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've never even seen him roll around on the ground. He's never even rolled around on the ground like, oh, this hurts for a second before I get up. I mean, he's always just pops right back up. And there's only been a few times where I really feel like people have gotten real big hits on him or anything like that through his three years so far. So, uh, yes, that is the risk with this type of running back, certainly. But I think through three years, he's proven he's pretty damn good at, at taking care of himself. And at some point, we saw this with Steve Young. We saw this with Steve McNair. You have to transition away That's from right. that if you want to play at a yeah. high level deep into your 30s. Tom Brady's getting it done at 43, not because he's running around, but because he's stationary and he's taking advantage of his arm. And so to have that long career, and we've talked about will quarterbacks be able to extend their careers into the 40s? They will, but you, you're, you're going to have to understand that you got to work within the, the boundaries of mobility that necessarily will decrease. Although who knows 20 years from now with the advances in training and the guys who are spending all their time, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, thinking about it, working out constantly turning their bodies into this, this machine that can keep going and going. Maybe Lamar Jackson will preserve his mobility beyond the age of 40. Either way, the Ravens want to keep him around. And at some point they surely will figure out a, a contract that keeps him there. The question is, can they figure out the offense that allows them? You know, we've talked about some of these teams that are just kind of like bumping up against the ceiling. The Ravens have a ceiling. Well, everybody in the AFC has a ceiling. It's called the Kansas City Chiefs. But what do you do to bust through that ceiling? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think you you said it. It is kind of yeah, the offense going to that next phase of being able to be a little more diverse, scare you with – you know, a precision pass game, an explosive pass game that you're worried about, whoa, we, we got to play this defense because they could throw it over our heads. And now the pulling guards and J.K. Dobbins have even a, a bigger effect. But th that, that to me, for a team that's still in a Super Bowl window and still very talented, is, is the one thing that needs to be adjusted, you know, going into 2021. All right, let's take a break. When we return, it's Tuesday, which means it's time for goats in a bad way. And even though there were only two games on Sunday, there are plenty of goats chewing on some grass in the aftermath of the NFC and AFC championships. We'll do that next here on PS. That's a sheep. All 
All right, Sports Uncovered, the new edition. Latest episode uh, focuses on my favorite Kobe story on the one-year anniversary of his death. Interviews with former teammates, coaches, opponents, and writers. I can't believe it's been a year. I can't believe it either. Holy cow. That kind of, it's like, it's a year already? I guess it is. Um, it's amazing, and a lot's happened in that year. But uh, I remember being—it uh, was one of those moments where it gets burned in your brain. Exactly where you are, the reaction—you don't believe it. Wait a minute, you got that wrong. It's a false tweet. Something's not right here. And uh, wow, one year already. All right. Uh, by the way, we 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 did some research during the break. Goats also go bad, yeah. so you can you can make the bad Thank noise you. for sheep and a goat. Good. So uh, Good. You, you have your since you have a farm. At your house, even though you don't have sheeps or goats yet, you can, you can. Uh, I don't know English, but I know animals. They all right, be making that noise. All right, uh, you have a trivia question for me for the goats in a bad way for the championship. Right? Yep. All right, it's kind of a tough. One. Uh, you can get this. I might have to help you a little here, but it's January twenty sixth today, as you know. Which team has lost two Super Bowls on this date in this the me? same stadium? Okay. Ooh. So on this date in the same stadium, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out a little bit here. Wait, wait. No, okay. No, no you, you don't want help it. Me out. All right, fine. Help me out. Um. Wow. Okay. Give me a hint. Okay. <laughs> I'll say it's the New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. Okay. So that's the well, stadium. Well, it wasn't. It's it's not the Vikings. First of all, back in those days, the Super Bowl wasn't played this late, that, so it can't be that. So right. it would be the Superdome, and wow. Is pressure. The, no, 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 no. It's pressure. the Patriots. It is it's the, the Patriots. Patriots. Correct, Amuno. Yep. To the Bears in Super Bowl 20 and to the Packers in Super Bowl 31. Yep. Correct, correct, correct. That's pretty And then they ironic. won their first Super Bowl there. I know, right? right? Isn't that isn't that amazing how that works out that way? Just a few years later, they win their first Super Bowl at that place. But, uh, yeah, ironic, don't you think? Go ahead. I'm not sure. I don't use ironic anymore because I never know. What the hell? When in doubt, I use it now. I love it. (laughs) All right. Goat of the day. Man, there are too many to choose from. Um, I got to go with Mike Patton. Man. For the call that was the dagger. Yeah. And and the Packers did a good job of trying to remove the dagger and put the dagger into the Buccaneers. And there are other goats responsible for keeping that from happening. But the initial dagger that hobbled the Packers – came courtesy of the ridiculous defense that was called by Mike Patton. We broke it down earlier. It's inside leverage, allowing the receiver to catch the ball and get out of bounds or run right by you as Scotty Miller did and score a touchdown, and it's 21-10 at the half when it could have been – it still could have been 14-10 or at worst 17-10. Yeah, uh, agreed. I mean, that was was definitely the first pick. Uh, I mean, all right, let me get away from that game. I'll go to the other one. I'll, I'll give Sean McDermott, you know, goats in the bad way. You know, for for the field goal thing, and 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 again, you know, I can understand the first one. It's twenty one nine. It's the end of the first half. Let's just get some points. Feel good going into halftime. Keep them having to play. Let's keep this game competitive. All that. But the second one, you know, now you've seen Kansas City go down the field again. You got to go. Wait, we we haven't really stopped them all day, and now it's twenty four to twelve. That's the one where I go, hey, you're playing Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and Andy Reid in Kansas City. Field goals ain't going to get it done today. That was, you know, like kissing your sister, that one there. That made no sense, did nothing for their football team. It just helped them go down by 16. I mean, really. So that one, to me, for the scope of the game, knowing who you're playing against, to go and take uh, the field goal and still be down by nine, that made no sense to me. I remember week three, Ravens-Chiefs, Monday night. Ravens have a great drive right out of the gates, and instead of going forward on fourth and goal, they kick the field goal. It's like, that's not how you beat the Chiefs. Yeah. You beat the Chiefs with touchdowns. Field goals are just going to uh, uh, make it inevitable that they are going to roll right past you. I- I'm going back to Green Bay. The goats are grazing in Green Bay. Matt LaFleur robbing us all of what would have been a memorable moment. I got somebody emailing me during the show saying, oh, can you imagine how bad LaFleur would have been killed if he had gone for it there and not gotten it? He wouldn't have been killed at all. He wouldn't have been killed no, at all for going for that. it. Right. That's what everybody thought he was going to do. That's what Aaron Rodgers thought he was going to do. That's what you do in that moment. The season is, season is riding on it, and if you don't make it, the Buccaneers have the ball on their eight. You've got three timeouts. You've got the two-minute warning, and uh, maybe they'll be more conservative, as you said earlier, in their play calling 
pinned against their their own goal line. So I I, I and all sorts of stuff could have happened. You know, Lafleur said, "Well, yeah, you know, we we kicked off, and they, you know, they had the PI call. Well, yeah, there could have been a PI call on them if you had gone for it. A bunch of different things could have happened. Maybe you could have gotten first and goal at the one, and you could have milked more time off the clock if there's pass interference in the end zone. We don't know what would have happened because we were robbed of that moment. So Matt yeah. Lafleur, sorry, great coach, but that day, uh. Goat in a bad way. Yeah, definitely. I know. I, I didn't want to go back to Lafleur right after you went Petten. I wanted to take him, really, but I went to McDermott just to change the game up. But um, all right. So you got the two best picks in the draft so far. Here we go. I'll go Aaron Jones, though, as the next one. Man, you know, you talked about Mike Petten and those issues. Th those probably the biggest play in the game. Second biggest play in the game is the first third down of the second half. You know, Aaron Jones running a crossing route. Catches the ball four, four, maybe five steps, gets a chance to tuck it up upfield, and Jermaine Whitehead just, you know, clobbers him and and loses the ball for the second time with the second type of hit from the same guy. But that was a huge moment in the game again. Yes, we know the touchdown made it 21-10. So what? before the half. It's 21-10. It's Aaron Rodgers. You know, they can go down as 21-17. Whoop-de-doo. But now, all right, whoa, you fumble, and they got the ball at the eight-yard line now. It's 28-10. to 10. That's a whole different ball game altogether. And now it's like you got to play perfect for the rest of the half and probably need the other team to mess up once or twice. So uh, that was a huge moment in the football game. Aaron Jones, goat in a bad way. Are you saying Jermaine Whitehead? I might have said that. Yeah, you know what? I think Jermaine, there may be a Jermaine there Whitehead There was a Jermaine there. Whitehead. I'm sorry, Jordan player. Whitehead. But Jordan. Jordan Whitehead is the guy that's. Uh, I'm sorry, Jordan. For the two I'm sorry. Teams. I'm sorry about that. Yes. I, I, I've got to go to the Chiefs Bills game for my last one. And, you know, when you look at the things the Bills need for the future, they, they've got their Jim Kelly, they've got their Andre Reid. Now it's time to go get their Thurman Thomas because Devin Singletary, TJ Yeldon did yeah. not get it done. And yeah. I don't know if Zach Moss would have made much of a difference, but my God, nine carries for 32 yards combined. Combined. Now, at a certain point, you got to say, well, maybe Brian Dayball should have committed to the run. But if you know your guys aren't going to run, if they're not getting it done in the run, why do you want to go from first and 10 to second and 11? Why do you, I mean, if you know it's not there, why are you going to keep banging your head against the wall? They need somebody on that offense in the backfield that can complement Josh Allen. And when, when the passing game is what it now is for the Bills, it shouldn't be all that hard to find a running back who can get it done and really take that offense to the next level Chris no I agree that that's that's uh they're so close they need a running back a top they need just a running game in general but you're right they need a, a real you know go-to running back bell cow we can depend on him and they get one more weapon on the outside and you just go whoa they could hit the you know we can't stop them we can't defend them type of mode as far as what they can do on that side of the ball but that that was apparent they need that uh, and they need that one other player on both sides of the ball. I think we discussed that yesterday a little bit. That has to happen. Um, all right. My last one. I mean, I, I, I easily could pick uh, – I, I could easily pick Br Tom Brady, but I'm not going to. I'm not. He did He did win. They're, they're going to the Super Bowl as, as bad as and iffy as that th third and fourth quarter were. I think I'm going to go to the Green Bay Packers offensive line. That's just where I'm going to go. We talked about it all year. We talked about it a lot towards the end of November into December. Wow, look at they've turned the corner. They've become one of the best offensive lines in football. You know, you heard me say a number of times, like, man, they're getting to the point where they can kind of just run on anybody. But they couldn't do it against this team this week. The Buccaneers showed that they're their kryptonite, and not only in the run game and just snuffing that out, but the tackles especially. I mean, Billy Turner – Remmers at right tackle there. Uh, they just got abused at times as far as just absolutely steamrolled, run over that way. And that was a big part of the game altogether. Uh, Ricky Wagner, not Remmers. I'm sorry. I'm getting my Chiefs and Packers guys messed up. And it really was stunning to see it as good as the offensive line had been against the Rams to just go the other way. And we saw it early, like first drive. Yeah, you, you knew it Rogers didn't look good. Gobbled up. It's like, here we go. That's not supposed to be happening. Not good for the Packers. But, uh, hey, they as Aaron Rodgers said, they had their chances. Even after they were down 18, they had their chances. We're going to take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. 
Congratulations to Jennifer King, assistant running backs coach of the Washington football team. There are more and more females with assistant level coaching positions in the NFL as the pipeline fills inevitably. Now, I may not be alive for it. You may be. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe I'll outlive you. You never know. But it took a very morbid turn. The point is, at some point, when you have enough female assistant coaches in the pipeline who are learning the craft, there's going to be one, at least, that stands out, that rises, and that ends up being a head coach. It will happen at some point, Chris. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we, we've seen female coaches in the NBA rise ranks, right? And we, we had one who was a head coach of a game down with the San Antonio Spurs, I believe, about 10 days ago, two weeks ago. Uh, so I, I would think, and it's just good to see that the NFL is turning the corner in, in this conversation all together, you know, diversity, males, females, Hey, we still got a lot of work to do as far as the African Americans and coaches and things like that in our, in our league, but certainly uh, a good look. And especially for a sport where, Hey, we want the youth and generations to, to want to play it and everything like that. And I think this is a very good look for all of that. Becky Hammond, the Spurs Becky coach. Becky Hammond, that's right. Brandon Staley, the Chargers coach, uh, really trying to emulate Greg Popovich. Maybe we'll see him over time incorporate females into his coaching staff and groom and develop. And again, there will be – it is inevitable. Now that the door is open, it is inevitable that, that uh, it will happen. I, I hope I live long enough to see it. I generally hope to live as long as possible. Um, and, and as long as I live, the Seahawks may have the same offense. Who knows? DK Metcalf on the I Am Athlete podcast talking to Brandon Marshall said this about Seattle's offensive struggles this year, Chris. Teams just started to figure us out. We've been running deep pass ever since Pete Carroll got there. DK's only been there two years. Who's he hearing that from? I think Russell. Play action, run the ball, run the ball, go deep. Teams just said we're just not going to let you all go deep. Look, that tells me he's hearing it from Russ, and Russ is frustrated, and they better do something with that offense to make it more imaginative than run the ball, play action, go deep. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, we talked a lot. It's It became predictable. We know that. Yes, there's got to be more diversity in their offense, more ways to attack through the pass game. That's why Pete Carroll's moving on at the offensive coordinator spot. I think he realizes that too. You know, I – I don't, yeah, I don't know why he's got to say we. Pete's been doing that ever. That's different offensive coordinator, different times, different teams. That to me is almost like he maybe shows. Maybe he's talking to ex receivers too. That's where I think like are some of the ex receivers hanging around saying stuff like that to him. But they're blaming not the offensive coordinators. They're blaming Pete. That's the problem. It's Pete's offense. This is what Pete wants. Pete doesn't want the spread up wide open. That's there. Yeah, I hear you. Russ, just keep an eye on that. Just another quarterback to keep an eye on. That's it for today. We'll see you on Wednesday. See ya. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.